we praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the song that was given. And now let's go forward when it comes to what we'll be studying this morning. Um, it's past the scripture that you are, a book that you're quite aware of. Um, and so we will be dealing with the whole idea of knowledge. We're, I'm going to, this will be a stickler for, that's why I said part one, part two. We're going, we're just going to go right into John. And the only words we're going to look for is knowledge. Oh, there's other words, great words that could be studied on, but I think it's important and foundational for us to know what we know, what we know. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for our time together. Help me to clearly share with your, your, your people, your children, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, what you shared with me out of First John. I'm cognizant of the various uh, commentaries and what they have to say, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm, I'm sensitive to listening to what you have to say to me as I compare it to your saints. So lead and guide me, Lord, uh, to do just that. May you be seen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, with that uh, said, we want to move forward in our time. Uh, the, the leading scripture that we're going to use here is uh, out of 1 John 2, uh, 3, and 4, 5, really. It says this, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, because of what he had done, that propitiation means the appeasement, uh, the satisfaction. So he says, since God is, is, uh, has received uh, God is satisfied with what Jesus Christ has done. Now we're on the other side of the cross. So I'm talking to the folks on the other side of the cross. It says this, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Mm -hmm. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. You're going to keep hearing this word, no, no, I know, we know. I'm going, we know, I know, all the way through our time together, saints of God, okay? So just sit back and let's, let's go over this thing. Well, as we go to our next slide in, in our introduction, there's a saying, he who knows and knows he knows, he is wise, follow him. He who knows but think he knows, he's a student, student, teach him. He who says he knows and does not know, he's a fool, avoid him. Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seek knowledge. I'm just repeating what I said last time we, we met. And that the intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seek knowledge. Okay. Uh, you can run across this word know and knowledge. Know and knowledge. Okay. All right. And let's go forward. Concepts, fictions, and core values are formed by the information we have received, embraced, and lived by. Knowledge always comes before love. The more we mature in Christ, 
the greater our love and devotion will affect our lifestyle. Let me pause for station identification. It's in my, not in my notes, but I want to make sure that this through my constant sessions, et cetera, um, I think I need to bring, put, put this in. Um, I'm finishing uh, up with a couple or to come down to premarital counseling via Zoom. And um, two things we talked about. The, the first thing is um, they were, they were there together and I asked them this question, are you dating or are you uh, in courtship? And they look with a blank look. I said, do you know the difference? And they said, and they, I finally got said, no, we don't know the difference. Good. I said, let me clear it up for you. Dating is like you, you can date anyone you want to because there's no commitment. Courtship is a definite course of action based on a plan. Said, do you know that now? They said, yeah. Okay. Now, now, what's the difference between dating and courtship? They were able to feed it back to me. I said, now, are you all dating or is it a courtship? They said, courtship. I said, good. Now we can talk about marriage. And another question I asked them, I, the question I asked them was, uh, we went over finances and talked about a half an hour or so. About about time finished and uh, the, the many car, why do you work and and the eight uh, to nine activities of finances etc and and saving and and, uh, all, and so anyway we went through that whole thing and um, and we talked about tithing and here's what the young man said he said uh, pastor I'm a student I'm a student I can't tithe the way you're talking about I don't he says I'm not in the position of doing what this says. I said, oh, wait a minute, but you do have something that you walk away from. And I said, well, he said, what's that? You have the knowledge of what to do. Now that you have the knowledge of what to do, if the Lord bless you with a great deal, you know how to handle your finances. No need of being broke because you did not obey the Lord. Do you understand me? Yes, good. Then we close it out. Thinking it through, when we are in the know, we are able to share from a position of experience to those whom God will place in our lives. That's why God wants, number one, that we get to know God, and then we can, it's transferable concept where we can share with others. How much do you really know? I, please, I don't want to be insulting, but what you think is the result of what you, you've been, you, the data that you've seen and everything else, and you come to a conclusion but my question is, why do you say it? What is your burden of proof and how does it apply? And if you don't know how to do that, then it's your opinion and it's not knowledge. God does not want his children walking around with an opinion that is not connected to actual knowledge. Are you hearing me? Knowledge is very important. That's why I'm keeping your foot to the, to the, the scripture of the word of God. Know what you know and share what you know and not what you think. After you share what you know, then you can say, these are my thoughts. And I'm trying to be very careful that when I share with you out of God's word, that I give you uh, first what the word of God says. And then I had to preface with, this is my thinking. So you will not mix that up with doctrine. Okay. A lot of times we hear too much of that. Well, okay. You want to bend your ear too much on that. Let's, let's go forward. Practice. Now look at Ephesians when it says, uh, one sixteen. cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in what? Knowledge of him. The first thing we need to do in the spiritual realm, do you know him? There were songs, do you know? If you don't know God, it's going to affect how you think, how you act, how you relate to individuals, your tonal qualities, everything. It comes from knowing God. That's why the first thing that God wanted the Jews to know was to get them in front of that mountain. The one to get them in front of that mountain, I think it was Mount Nebo. When you get them in front of that mountain, then I want them to get the Ten Commandments and get to know who I am so they will order their steps and not a bunch of folks wandering in the wilderness. You're connected to the God who brought you through this. And so the whole idea is knowing him. And um, so what I'm telling you has been heavily pressed on me. Uh, there are some things that I decided, no, I don't need to look at that. I don't need to do this. This is what I need to know in, in order to know to grow. All right, get, uh, get a little poet there. Okay, all right, let's go on. Uh, now for the practice, let's go to the next slide. Okay, and it says, uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It says, when you understand that and you know that, then there's a, you have a hope. Uh, Believers being depressed, I understand. I, please, I understand the medical aspects of, of depression and uh, so here, uh, the uh, hereditary effect of uh, depression. I'm not talking about chemical uh, depression and all these other things. I'm talking about individuals who refuse to let the peace of God rule in their hearts. And the results of it, Satan puts suggestion that puts them in a position of being depressed. They keep looking back on the past instead of looking at what God is doing in the present and what God has already for them in the future. They're stuck in their past. Uh, Ephesians 1.19, and what is the ex exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believing according to the working of the, of the mighty power? Uh, I think that's so important. Okay, our next slide. Consider this, being in a know equips us to receive understand and become more knowledgeable in the things of the Lord. Ignorance is a dark entity that possesses unimaginable dangers, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Sin indwells and rules in the environment of darkness. Our recognizing God does not affect who he is. He reveals our perception and reception uh, receptive level of thinking. And so when we uh, we talk about this, we land inside, we, we talk about what Jesus did and everything else, but God, all of this is for you to know. And how you know is how you will grow. That's why Peter said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How much do you know? So the first thing you have to admit, we have to admit is, uh, do you know or do you think you know? Are you a student? You know, if you know, transfer the concept. If you think you know, keep going deep into the word. But if you say you know and you don't know, uh, then you're in that school that you need to get out as soon as possible. Uh, okay. All right. Let's go on. Thinking it through. Uh, First John uh, has given us tremendous insights into the benefits of knowing and the consequences of ignorance. 
let us observe and learn about the need for knowing, having spiritual insight from John's letter to the saints. And these are the four areas. Now notice this, you're gonna hear me stress this over and over again. First, in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm. We were going through Joshua and the first thing that, that Joshua talked about was the, uh, the thing about the Lord. Okay, in the spiritual realm, before he talked talk, talk about the physical realm, the spiritual realm, in the realm of relationships, in the reality of experience, in the realm of enlightenment. Uh, let's see if I can nail these things down uh, without you going completely asleep here. Thanks. Okay, so here we go. The first one, the in the spiritual realm, here's what we're, we're talking about. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Don't say you know God and you're disobedient, okay? Stop it. So the first thing you talk about, these two things then, the first one is clarity. This, we know him and commitment, he keeps his commandment. Are you a commitment keeper? Are you a promise keeper uh, to the Lord? And these two says, by this we know, if you're on the other side of, of Calvary, then you have the ability to know and to do what is said right here. Remember, Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Don't tell me you love me, you don't do, you're not doing what I say, you see. Uh, the problem that he had with the church of Ephesus is that you're doing a lot of great things. I have a problem. You don't love me like you used to. You know what, a person gets so busy that they don't take the time to get to know God even more. And the more you know God, there's some things in your life that you say, I, I don't have time for. Uh, it takes up good time, okay? Well, I, I think you get the idea. Then let's move on. Whosoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he stretched it out. He's a liar. And the truth is not in him. Twofold there. Huh? Uh, these signs, uh, these uh, signs are making a deliberate and false declaration, living a godless lifestyle, being declared a liar, and being detached from the truth. That's what he's saying out of this verse here. Whoever says, you know, uh, uh, says I know him but does not keep his commandments he is not could be should be ought to be no he is present perfect tense he is a liar okay and the truth not that he's hiding it is not even in him okay uh, so then when you get to know God guess what the truth will take greater grasp on the things you think, say, and do, okay? It keeps you from being a liar. So that when you say something to a, per a person, they, know, they can depend on what you say because they know that you're telling the truth. I think you got the idea. Let's go on. But whosoever keeps his word in him truly you see that word? Uh, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. 
Uh, do you notice that this word? He says, but whosoever keeps his word in him, and notice this word, truly, you see, uh, the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. This person is a faithful keeper of God's word. This person is declared as having a mature, perfect love of God. Look when we said perfected. We're talking about a mature understanding of God. Um, please, I don't want to hear saints saying the man upstairs. What man are you talking about? Uh, you must talk about man upstairs in the house. You're not talking about my father. My father, you, you relate to him as my God in heaven. I'm not familiar with this other lingo, okay? Uh, the person will live with confidence and conviction in any environment, you see. Uh, so then, but this we know that we, and, but this we may know that we are in him. When we're in him, this what these other things will do. One of the saddest conditions of our times is not acquiring and acting on available and godly knowledge. It's right there. God's word is not piecemeal. Everything we need in every relationship and every given thing is because God is making it possible. And that's my prayer, that we as believers would do just that. Well, I think you got the idea. In the realm of relationship. But whosoever hates his brother in darkness, uh, is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because darkness had blinded his eyes. There are four things mentioned about this, this hate. Hate, a negative and emotional attitude. Okay. Then look at the action. Walks, a negative course of action. Ignorant a non-productive state of thinking and reasoning. It's hard to reason with a person who hates you. What do you do when someone hates your guts? They would love to see you dead. What would you do? Don't you know God has a plan? Uh, it seems like this person is your enemy. So you are to pray for your enemies, do good, see? Uh, in other words, all that is just the opposite. You are to love them. In other words, this word love means not emotionally, but being totally sold out to them. Why? Because the, the whole idea is that he's made in the image of God. Okay. The adverse effects of a state of sustained ignorance. So he's in darkness a non-productive, sustained ignorance. Consider this. There is no room for hating the person whom God has created. We are commanded to love our enemies. Saints, if someone gets on your, love, your last nerve, you can be disgusted with them, uh, troubled by them, irritated by them. You're not permitted to hate them. Because how can you love them and hate them at the same time? Well, I, I don't hate them. I just can't stand them. Well, you're going to be praying for that person you can't stand. I know you do that. 
because you are, you love them, you're praying for their ultimate good. Understand something. The person that you can't stand has the potential of being a blessing to others if when God brings that person to repentance and they change their mind. Pray for them, not for where they are, but what they will be in Christ. Do you know this? Are you operating on, on those, uh, that principle? It's so important. So important. Okay. Hang in there. Here's a working principle of hate. It makes you think that you possess it. But the reality is that it has and controls you. If you go around and say, I won't forgive, and I understand something. It's not that you have it. It has control of you. Like a, a spiritual coronavirus, you have been infected. And guess what? That root of bitterness not only troubles you, but defiles many, as Hebrew tells us. So in a relationship of hate, you must know you can't afford to hate anyone. Just like what they do. I don't like what you do. But I want you to know I'll always love you. Why don't you think that along that line? It would help a great deal. Uh, I'm telling you something that I've committed myself to do. There's not a person, to, to my knowledge now, that I um, dislike. I might dislike what individuals might do, but it never stops me from praying for the individual. Not to be like me, but to be like Christ. What, what about you? Do you have a blacklist that you've been keeping away from everybody and you don't talk about? Someone who gets in your last nerve, family, relationships, job, and I might miss a few things, but you know, you know uh, where it is. So no need to be going on this long list. We can go on further with our, our, uh, our message. Let's go on to the next slide then. Number three, in the realm of experience. I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you children because you know the father. You keep hearing this word, no, again, that's why I keep bringing it up. No, in verse 13, no, no, it keeps hearing this word, no, it's important that we know this. Okay, uh, let's go on. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Then he says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now I want to straighten out some ideas. You, you see the little children, you see the young men, you see the fathers, and you see that this is right, written by John who has given a very endearing letter to his constituents. And, um, and this prayer and what he's saying here um, relates to about three areas. Let's, let's flip to the next uh, uh, slide there. And I'll show you what it is. Uh, in the family of God, John addressed three distinct groups in the body of Christ. 
First, he says, little children. Uh, now, when he says little children, not only is he saying all of them, you'll find out a little bit later, all of them, but then he says little children, their salvation, knowing God. These impact and enforce their conviction. Little children. Okay. Young men, they are saved and intentionally living for Christ. This reveals their commitment, victory, and power in Christ. Because he says, I write to you, young men, because you have, you not that you will overcome, you have overcome the evil one. The young men said, so I'm writing to you guys, to you children, to you young men, and to you fathers. They are reasoned, seasoned individuals who are experienced and capable of giving guided experience and able to provide godly, transferable values. And he says, I write it to you guys that you may know. And what you know, you stay on it and continue to grow. Okay. And so you have different levels of experiences. And each one of this, our congregation, at different levels of growth, whatever level of growth you are in, you and I are responsible for knowing not what you think. Tell me what you think after you tell me the facts. If you tell me the facts, then let's talk about your opinion of the facts. But please come up with some facts if you're going to share that. Okay, that's it. That's very important. Well, this person said uh, they won't hold up in, in the courtroom. Um, we and the facts are with the word of God. You know what I'm finding? I'm finding that just among believers, there's a resistance to put, to put God's word first before you do anything else. That's the first violation. Thou shalt love the good Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Everything must be filtered through the word of God. You heard me quote it many times. Finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, a good report, any virtue, any praise, think on these things. God says the word governs your thinking, governs your thinking. Well, you've been very patient. And uh, as I said, it was, this is just part one. We got a lot more to go on this no uh, thing, okay? Uh, here's, here's, here's the last one then. Uh, that is in the realm, we know in the realm of enlightenment. Let's explore this for a little bit, just a little bit. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the fact. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. Notice he reinforces, it comes about around another way, and he reinforces again. Uh, if you know, it affects how you grow, how you walk. And guess what? It declares that you are righteous. Uh, you're on the right path. God is pleased with it. You may not hear the hand claps and everything else, but praise the Lord. When you do the right thing, don't look for people to pat you on the back. Matter of fact, they'll talk about you. It does not keep you from doing right. Uh, well. Let's go on. See what kind of love the Father have given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. Didn't say, notice it didn't say, so we will be, or we could be. 
or we might be, nah, he says, so we are right now, we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it, it did not know him. So if the people don't understand what, why you take your stand and why you have core values and all these other things, they, if they don't know, if they do not know God and they're in darkness, how can they expect the things uh, in light? That's why we are the light of the world. And the Lord says, let your light so shine. What type of light? Your light, that what do you know about God that you can share with others? You don't have to go to a, a Bible college, seminary, and everything. Just tell, be a good witness. Share what you know, what God did in your life. Just tell it, and God will take it from there. But don't give them your opinion. Tell, give them out of the word of God. Then give a testimony behind that. Amen. God first. And so here it just kind of lists these three points. First, clarity based on actually knowing God. Confirmation. It validates our salvation and rebirth in Christ. Confidence. Our identity is sure compared to a, uh, compared to a world that is ignorant of Christ and our identity. That's what it's all about. The world will not understand the saints. And I, I know we, we are all uh, savvy as to some type of news. Does it look like things are getting any better? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ said that it will not get better. It will get worse. But the worst must happen so the best may be revealed. So it has to happen. In the, in the worst state that you will see, God will be gathering his people, gathering Israel, preparing them, getting the temple together. All of these things are, are happening in the darkness. And the world is still worrying about finances and everything else. And God is saying, telling us, don't worry about it. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. When you know this, then why are you discouraged? To be discouraged means that, number one, either you don't know God's word. Number two, you have neglected or you're, uh, you're defiant to God's word. Number three, you may not be saved. Uh, so I think it's so important that we just uh, nail it down. That's why I said when I looked at uh, 1 John, I said, now understand that 1 John have a lot of words. I decided that this, I'm just pulling no out of this. And... Uh, and so when we talk about this, no, we want to talk more about it. Because John, there are, uh, I think, uh, let me get this straight. I'm pretty sure there are 28 no's in, uh, in John. Okay. Uh, now you have some comparatives and everything else. But when you look at First John, I'm sorry. First John is going to have 28 no's that we should know. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we gather all our no's so that we'll be uh, some spiritually uh, smart folks wise individuals in a dark world. Amen? We've been very patient. Uh, let's go on. Today, the most significant decision we must make from this day forward is determining God's knowledge over our personal preference. Choose well. Oh, that's why a lot of times we always put God's word second. We have a uh, personal preference. If Adam was here, he would tell you. Adam, you knew that the, the, the biting of the food, what it would do and everything else. 
And here you standing in the middle of the garden and you're watching your wife bite of the fruit and you know what God said and you're operating from a position of knowing. Why did you do it, Adam? This is that I preface this with Donald Rackett's opinion. My opinion is he had a personal preference that put God second. And guess what? It keeps happening every time, every day, through the day, we have a preference that goes before God. And therefore, we spend more time on the preference than we do with God. The God who loves us and will not give up with us, uh, on us, and will be with us until the end of the world. Meanwhile, working in us to will and to do his good pleasure. We owe him. Oh, we owe him. My, my prayer on my knees um, many a night said, Lord, there's no way in the world I can even think of repaying you. See, so my goal is the remaining years you give me that I leave here, you being pleased with the things I do think and say. That's, that's, that's the most I can do. That's the most I can do. I, I trust that this morning, that you get into the know, that you'll be able to grow and it'll bring you closer to the Father. And don't need to be saying, stop this and stop that and don't do this. The more you know him, the more you say, this is not right in my relationship with him because you love him. Do you love him? To love him, you first have to know him. Amen. Well, uh, with that said, one last thing. Our God is not the author of or facilitator of confusion. Confusion is the result of misguided and flawed thinking and action without knowledge. Next week, Lord willing, we will cover uh, a number of things that John revealed about knowing and its impact on those who are exposed to the knowledge of God. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, how we just want to thank you for this time together and thank you for what you're going to do in through our lives. Lord, it's our prayer that we make it our business to get to know you more. Whatever it takes to position ourselves to hear, to, uh, to receive, to embrace, and to live out what you have placed us here during these dark times for your glory. Help us to let our lights so shine. And Lord, if there be one under the sound of my voice that do not know, and Lord, help them to know the first step is to know that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Jesus Christ, who is God who came in the flesh, went to the cross of Calvary, sinless, died for the sins of the whole world regardless of what they have done or will be doing. And that all they have to do is to accept his forgiveness is on the other side of Calvary and ask, Lord, will you forgive me of my sins? I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and make me one of yours. The Lord will gladly do that for those who come to him. He says, I will no wise cast out. And then you'll step into another room. And thank you, Lord, for that other room. We're positioned to 
know you and in the beauty of your holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, then our uh, last song closing out then. <laughs>